0: Welcome back, shooters. We come to you today with Wartburg College head women's basketball coach Bob Amsbury. Bob has a very unique story. He joined a Rockford College as the head coach where they had lost their previous 44 straight games. His first season went 0-25, next season 6-19. And after that, the next six or seven seasons he was there did not have a losing record with a couple NCAA tournament bids and Conference Coach of the Year awards as well. Then entered Warburg College where he again had an average team and created a perennial powerhouse with Final Four berths on several occasions, NCAA tournament appearance um, four or five years in a row now, NCAA coach of the year sprinkled in there as well as you know multiple accolades for his players again we had a great conversation with coach he has several connections to past uh, shooters touch guests as well as many connections with BC with, with his time playing at Warper College he even quizzes us on our sneaker knowledge we really hope you enjoy this episode with coach Bob Amsbury and remember shooters shoot, or shoot.
1: <laughs> The shooter's touch, can't nobody shoot like me. Fourth quarter down three, need a two and one. Better call on me, better call on me. If you know you need a shooter, I'm ice cold like a cooler. Get you right though, I can tool this. That mic flow, I'm a hooper. I got blue faces on blue faces. I'm
0: too- Welcome again, shooters. As mentioned, we now have Warper head women's basketball coach, Bob Amsbury. Coach, welcome to the Shooter's Touch.
2: Appreciate uh, being on and appreciate what you guys are doing. I think there's uh, great basketball in our state, and the small colleges are certainly a, a big part of what's going on with basketball in Iowa. And um, I, I appreciate what you guys are doing for the game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Anything, anything that we can do, obviously, we're uh, we're we love the game. Um, both been around it for a long time, and so that's kind of how this whole thing got started. And so we appreciate you taking some time and jump on with us. And uh, without further ado, let's let's jump in. How did uh, how did you get into coaching? How did you know that uh, coaching basketball was was going to be the path you were going to go down?
2: Yeah, I had I had no intention of coaching, honestly. Um, and I think my path into college basketball was. A little bit unique um, you know a lot of people are getting involved either as you know after they play uh, or their managers or whatever to get kind of get into the game and um, I went to BBE out of high school uh, didn't play basketball in college um, but I loved the game I grew up loving the game and and you know it was always a fire in me to play the game um, but I was a business major and and took a job at a small college in Illinois as a as an admissions counselor um, right after I graduated and did that for a couple years. Uh, <laughs> kind of got tired of being on the road, uh, which now I'm on the road a lot again, but and kind of for different reasons, um, similar but different. Um, but I got tired of being on the road and and at that time. Uh, and a job opened up in residence life at the same place at McMurray and so I took that job and made that switch and um, part of my so I I was a resident director at one of the residence halls Uh, my wife and I lived in the building in an apartment in the building and part of my my salary or compensation was meals on campus so we went over for lunch one day and go through the line. And there's this this guy we had never seen before. On uh, he, You could tell he was new, um, sitting by himself. And my wife and I were like, should we sit with this guy? And we, we actually had to make the decision to say, yeah, we'll sit with him. So we sat with him, introduced ourselves, and he had just been hired as the women's basketball coach at McMurray. And by the end of lunch, I was volunteering to help him. So <laughs> that was my way in. Wow! Um, you know, I, I, had we not done that, we not made that decision, I have no idea what I'd be doing.
1: So that got you in on a, on a volunteer basis. What was, how, how did things progress from there?
2: Yeah, so, um, you know, I thought I knew a lot about the game. And, uh, you know, I think you – with anything, you you might think you know a lot until you have to teach something. And when you have to teach it, you learn really quickly how much you don't know. So, you know, those first few years with Don, Don Mulhern, um, were critical in my development. And I just learned so much from him. Um, but I would say a year into that deal, I decided that this is really what I wanted to do. Um, so at that time, I made my decision that that's what I wanted to do. But had to do some work really to to get in. Um, I had to go back to school. I, I felt like I needed to get my master's degree at that time um, to really get a head coaching job at this level. You know, a lot of times, especially back then, it's it's changed over the years, but To get in at that time you really had to be able to also probably teach and so I went and got my master's degree worked full-time coached on the side and and but I had made the commitment that that's really what I wanted to do.
1: So how did um, obviously the situation of meeting coach in the in the cafeteria there but um, it's it's worked out for you but how did you how did you stay in the women's game? Or was there a reason or a specific uh, reason why you stayed on the women's side?
2: Yeah, I just loved, I loved the game. I loved working with women. Um, you know, I I was honestly apprehensive about it when I started. Um, I just didn't know. Um, but I learned pretty quickly that um, the women's game is special. And, you know, I think in my 20 plus 25 plus years of coaching, it's it's gotten better and better and better, and um, you know I, I think um, I think my personality fits the women's game. Um, you know I think it's a lot about relationship and uh, building relationships, and uh, I think that we've been pretty good at that. And so I I had never after I got in the women's game I never considered going to the men.
1: And one of those stops was uh, at Rockford College. You have to tell us a little bit about this, um, set the scene a little bit for our listeners, because obviously getting the job at Rockford, um, not a powerhouse by any means. And so what was your thought process going into that? And then obviously, how did you end up turning the program around?
2: Yeah, so um, I was five years as an assistant at McMurray, and I knew I wanted to, to coach full time. So... Yeah, you know, I started looking around after I got my master's degree and just would apply at at small colleges and I was applying for head coaching jobs. Um there were a few assistant positions at at that time that were in a full-time capacity, but really not very many throughout the country. Um so I really felt like uh if I was getting a full-time position it was going to be as a head coach and um yeah, you don't know at that point uh Rockford came open I knew somebody at Rockford uh, um but they had lost 44 games in a row and when that thing came open and I'm kind of convinced nobody else wanted it <laughs> because, you know they just they just weren't having success I think they had won six games in the previous eight years or 10 games in the previous six years something but they they were um kind of as, as low as you could get Lost 44 in a row my first year. Uh, we had seven kids in the program and you know, trying to get through that year uh, and recruit. Um, but my first season as a head coach, we went 0-25. Our streak got, got to 69. Um, the reporter in town was putting that in the paper every day, so that wasn't <laughs> helping me. Um, my wife and son, <laughs> My wife tells me that – now she tells me that he was like two or three. And she would, after games, go home and tell my son, okay, it's time to pretend we're asleep because dad's coming home. Probably in a bad mood. (laughs) Um, But my second year, uh, I had really my first recruiting class. Um, We lost the first game of the year to get the streak to 70, which broke an NCAA – all divisions record for longest losing streak, so I got in the record books early. Um, and then my second game that year, we we came out with a victory and snapped the streak, and we were off and running.
0: So, Coach, your time at Rockford, I'm 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 looking at it right here on the screen. So, first year 0 and 25, second year 6 and 19 but after that you did not have a losing record the rest of the time you were at rockford and ended your your last year there was 05-06 with 21 and 7 uh, you know a couple coaches of the year awards for you there too what what would you say changed the most from you know your first couple of years there to the re- the rest of your time there was it something that changed on the coaching end i mean obviously the players help and stuff like that you know but were there one or two things that you saw in the program that changed during that time.
2: Well, I had I had great support, a great support system. People there um wanted us to to be successful and um were checking in with me and I knew that I was in a good place with good people and um but really the biggest thing was getting players and you know players can make you look good as a coach and especially in those early years. You know, I was <laughs> I look back and I knew very little about how to coach and what was going on and what to do. And, you know, I look back at those early teams and I think if I had them now, we could have won a few more games. But um, really what turned us was getting good players in there that um, thankfully we were able to get a really good group in my first cl- my first recruiting class that um, – I guess, believed in my vision, you know, at the time I'm selling a program that lost 69 straight and, you know, just getting a group of people that believe in, in the vision I presented them was a big step. And, you know, I, I think that first group, um, was key in keeping me in the game. And because we started to be successful, um, you know, and then we got pretty good that, that next year, I think we won 18 games or something, and it was another really good recruiting class, and uh, one of the best players I've ever coached um, to this day was in that next recruiting class that, uh, you know, she was a Heidi Burkhart, was a a game changer that um, got us contending for conference titles, and, and then actually in my fourth year, we made the NCAA tournament, and that was a really special moment because the kids that had taken the chance on the 69-game losing streak were juniors that year. And, you know, they, they, in their first game, lost number 70. So they were part of the streak, and then two seasons later were in the NCAA tournament.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a great story. It's special. got to be a special ride for those kids. Um, you, you mentioned it earlier. It's, it's kind of one of those things where you don't know what you don't know until you don't know it. And as you're going through, I think that any coach who's had serious success like yourself, you always have to start uh, somewhere and figure out, be like, hey, we got to go back to basics. we got to regroup. we got to look at everything. Whereas, you know, you have these people who inherit a good situation. They usually don't last as long as, as someone like yourself.
2: Yeah you know it was I still remember that first year trying to practice with seven kids and we were we were all about fundamentals and trying to defend and do it the right way and uh, you got to be really creative and especially as a you know first year coach um, you know I didn't know much about how to make that situation better but we just got in and worked every day, and um, we didn't win much at all, actually. But, but I, I still think those kids had a good experience, and they could see that uh, success was on the horizon, and that helped us certainly to recruit that first group that started winning games. And, you know, so I think looking back, even those kids that were a part of that team that never won – um they were they were pretty critical in in helping me sell my vision to the next group
1: and so then part of that transition and uh, furthering the vision is uh with your path coming to Warburg now Warburg um was obviously not in the same spot as Rockford was when when you took over um however uh wasn't isn't near in the spot that it is now and that you've built it to I know that uh Obviously, when I was at Wartburg, um, my first couple of years, the women's teams um, were actually very good and then saw a little bit of a decline and then uh, insert yourself. And since you've been there, how, what, 15 years, how many years you've been there now? Yeah, 14 years. 14 years. Um, you guys have had a ton of success. Um, and so in that process, I mean, if you can turn the hands back a little bit, why Warburg? What, what, what was it about Waverly and Wartburg that uh, made you want to make a change?
2: Yeah, there were several reasons, really. Um, again, I knew people that um, knew a lot about Warburg uh, when that job came open, so I really spent time with some people just learning what they knew about the place and um, how successful they thought the, the the program could be. I looked at the success that they, they had had previously, and, you know, Monica Severson was a great coach, and had tremendous success they won 20 games uh, several years um, you know and they they fell on hard times for a couple years there before I took the job but I knew that they had been really really good I looked at the other programs um, at Warburg uh, you know the, the wrestling program really all the programs baseball had won at some point like a dozen conference titles in a row and you know, so I saw success in all the other programs. Um, one of the biggest things about Warburg was the lo- longevity of the coaching staffs. Uh, it really, the in each sport, how long those coaches had been at Warburg told me that it must be a really good place. And so that, that was part of what kind of convinced me. Uh, and then the other part was really a family a family deal. We wanted to get our kids in a, a situation where we felt comfortable um, with the town that was around us, with the the educational system that was around us, and that certainly played as big a part as any. Uh, and Waverly's been great to us, and you know, both our kids have ha- had had a great experience in Waverly, and and so just a lot of reasons. Um, you know, a lot of people questioned why I would lo- why I would leave Rockford when we'd just come off a couple NCAA tournament bids, 20 seas 20 win seasons, um, but they didn't know Wartburg and they didn't know what I knew about Wartburg. So that's kind of kind of the thought process that, that went into us coming to Waverly.
0: How I guess kind of a similar question to what I asked you about Rockford coach. Um you know what are a couple things that 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 pop in your mind when you think of all the success you've had at Warburg? Obviously, it's the players, you know. But is it you know the backing of of the school of the community? I mean, i, I went I went to you and you know we we would head up to some Warburg games every once in a while, and a couple of buddies played a football at Warburg, and you know that's one thing that I noticed about Warburg when I went up there is the the amount of people that come to those sporting events, you know, the support they have, but is there, is there something else that comes to mind when you're, um, when I see you think and, and, and you are reevaluate some of the success you've had there.
2: Yeah. You know, I, I think I took the same approach. Uh, when I got to Wartburg that I took at Rockford and that was to, to present a vision and sell a culture and, so those things were really important in what we what we did at rockford and why we were successful because we had a vision and and then you try to get everybody working toward the same vision and and that was really my first step at, at warburg as well um you know i i remember to this day the first meeting that we had with with my first team at warburg and it was in in my basement and you know I we had dinner, and then we had a, a team meeting, and, and I still remember saying these words. I was young and naive and crazy, but I said, we're going to win a national title at Warburg, and we haven't done it yet, uh, 14 years later, but that's the vision that I presented, um, you know, and then we talked about if that's what we want to do, who do we have to be, and how do we have to act um, to get that done, and and um, that's a that's a long long process and you know i think those first couple teams took some steps towards that um but we we didn't take them all at once uh, you, you you don't take them all at once and um just step by step just kind of trying to build a culture that was conducive to being really really successful um but you're right. The the support at Wartburg, the interest in athletics uh, at Wartburg, and especially from the community of Waverly, is something that I had not seen at the small college level. Um, and I think back, you know, to our second Final Four run when we hosted to go to the Final Four. We we were on break. We didn't have any students here, and we played in that game to go to the final four. And we had 2,100 people here. And most of those were community people that have fallen in love with Wartburg and, and what we're doing here and have given us great support. So that part of it is, is really special about this place.
0: <laughs> and that's awesome to, awesome to hear. And as I mentioned, awesome to, awesome to be a part of, you know, when I, when I made it up there, you know, we, at this year's touch, you know, we we do try to focus on on the smaller schools, smaller basketball here in the state of Iowa. So, you know, some few, some some schools, some high school colleges have that support, and some don't. Um, and so, it's, uh, it's it's really cool to see that um, at Warburg. But uh, obviously, Coach, you know, twenty three seasons uh, as a head coach um, that's a long time. The game has changed, uh, you know, especially here, and probably last, I guess, like five or six years um, overall how has how has your philosophy changed um over those over those 23 years if at all
2: oh gosh uh it's night and day different you know i i think the the stuff off the court and building culture and all of that has remained rel- relatively the same but the game has just changed so much um you know i i learned everything i knew about um on-court stuff, really, from Don Mulhern at McMurray. So, you know, you take what you know and you go. And at that time, we were big into um, Dick Bennett's system of defense before the pack line where, where he would get out and deny every pass and front the post and pressure the ball. And um, and so my first few years, um, that was how we defended uh, we didn't play zone. Don never played zone, so I never played zone. Um, now I I will admit my first year at at Rockford, when we were riding that that losing streak, we played zone because we couldn't guard them. But um, I was teaching man to man to deny every pass, front post, make make everything difficult and disrupt offense. Um, that changed, I think uh, it would have been one of my last years at Rockford. We were playing, um, Hope College in our tournament in December, and they were ranked 17th in the country, and we were good, good, but we weren't at that level. Um, you know, Rockford, we, we had some really good teams, but we weren't a team that was going to be nationally ranked. We just weren't, and So we were playing hope and in prep for that game, I was like, they got these two, six, three kids and they got a great point guard and they got shooters. And if we try to deny every pass and front the post and do all this stuff, we got no chance. And so we had played the day before and, you know, as coaches do, you have sleepless nights for that next game. And what are we going to do? And, um, I had I had no idea in, in what we were going to do to try to compete with that team in that game. And I did get a little sleep, and the next morning I woke up, and I just had this vision in my head that we have to change every single thing that we do man-to-man-wise to compete with these guys. So we, in a shoot-around in about 45 minutes, presented this system of behind the post playing in a gap, um, trapping the post every time it goes in. Uh, And this was really before the pack line was really – had come out officially. And I just changed, and we said, here's how we're going to play this game. And we ended up beating them in double overtime. And to this day, one of the best games that I've ever been a part of. It was just back and forth. Um, My point guard um, defended their their point guard – and as I went through that game, I was like, man, my kid is playing her so well. Kid had 30. <laughs> I think she had 30 points on us. <laughs> but I was like, she played a great defensive game. But, but that, I guess, that game forced me to rethink um, a lot of what I do defensively. And, you know, we still front the post now sometimes, but I'm willing to – to change some things based on who we play. And I'm not so, I guess, stubborn to think that there's only one way to, to do it. And, you know, I was young and didn't know anything and tried something it worked. And so I, I think that was a kind of a big change in how I started to think about the game, that there are other ways. And, and um, at least on the defensive end, that was a, a big moment for me.
1: And one of those things that comes with philosophy and style of play, and obviously the way that the game has changed in your 25 years, um, is more so now on the offensive side and a little bit more higher octane. And, um, part of that also has to be a balance between your philosophy and what you want to do as a coach, but then also relating to these players and getting girls on campus and, um, getting them in your program. And so how has, how has recruiting changed for you? What's, what's a little bit of your philosophy on the recruiting side and, um, how is it that you, uh, year after year, are, are really starting to be able to bring in, bring in some of these kids at a level where um, we've had other coaches on here before, and we talk about just recruiting to the Division three level being a challenge in itself. Um, on the women's side of the game, maybe even a little bit uh, more difficult because they they tend to just want to go to school after four years of high school. Um, so, what what kind of challenges do you see, and how do you overcome those?
2: Yeah, I don't I don't know that. Um... I mean, yeah, it's hard, but there's enough people that want to play, and you know, you you got to get through the the kids that are going to be enlightened by that scholarship, and you know, we miss out on a lot of those, but we get some of them too. Um, but there's there's plenty of kids out there that want to play and continue to play the game. So, yeah, recruiting's hard. Um, you, you can't get every kid you want at our level, that's for sure. Um, my first few years at at Warburg, it was a learning curve for me. Um, You know, I was used to selling a, a different place at Rockford where we had to have a kind of a bigger funnel to get the same number of kids. So I made a lot of mistakes when I came to Warburg in having too big a funnel and then we had too many kids. And, you know, I think in my first recruiting class at Warburg, we had something like Nineteen kids or something, wow. new kids coming in, and I, you know, I I was still doing it the way we did it at Rockford, and um, just the return, uh, you know, I I'm a big numbers guy in almost everything I do, and so I would track um, from when I started, I'd track how many visits do we have, how many kids do we have apply, um, and down that whole funnel, and you know, I don't know, I don't remember the exact numbers, but we might have had to have 70 visits at Rockford to get six or eight kids. And if you have 70 visits at Wartburg, um, you might end up with 25. Um, you know, so like so that. Yeah, we've been able to be a lot more selective. Um, and I, I learned a lot in those first few years. You know, AAU certainly changed the game. And you know, when I started, we didn't even have cell phones. Um, we didn't even have internet. You know, so recruiting's changed tremendously. Today, it's way better than it used to be. You know, I would I would get out newspaper clippings and look up stats and who's this kid and and then try to find out how to get a hold of their coach and you know, just communication and identifying players is so much easier now. Um, but there's you know there's also more competition for them now because it's it's easier it, back in the day if you're a coach that was willing to grind it out and and do the extra work and um you were going to be ahead because it was it was so hard to do but you know i i think um you know you still for me it's sell our vision what who do we want to be who are we um Yeah, I think we have so much going at Wartburg that recruiting, although it's a challenge, um, there's a lot of things that are easy about it too. We have some of the best facilities in the country. Um, We have a great academic reputation. Eastern Iowa is a great location. Um, Basketball in the state of Iowa for girls is as good as it's maybe ever been. Um, So we have a lot of things that are tipping the scale in our favor. Uh, and then I think the biggest thing is, you know, when we get kids to visit, yeah, look around, it's a great place, but meet our people. And when I can get our, our team in front of these kids, um, they sell it way more than I sell it. Um, you know, we've been fortunate to recruit really good people and really good people tend to get more really good people. So that's kind of how we've, how we've gone about it. And um, I feel like if we, can be successful in Eastern Iowa with recruiting that we're going to be pretty darn good. And then, you know, hopefully we can, you know, supplement those kids with a few others from a little further away. And that's kind of what we've done.
1: Yeah, going through, looking at your roster, uh, it looks like, predominantly obviously kids from Iowa it looks like maybe one or two kids from out of state and and like you said a lot in your area um you know which we we see that at all levels even at the big levels those those coaches talking about keeping the kids close um and getting them in their doors and you definitely you definitely had a lot of success with that which uh like you said I think I think just helps uh bring awareness to the program and just continue to to grow and And obviously, uh, obviously, winning always helps uh, helps get some of those kids on campus. But uh, I'd also have to agree with you that the girls' high school basketball right now in the state of um, Iowa—you would know it better. But oh, it's—I mean, just unreal. I mean, even obviously the girls who you know are higher levels. But I mean, some of these kids uh, right now in the state—it's just unbelievable.
2: Yeah, it's it's you know, give a lot of credit to the AAU programs and what that scene has turned into, but the kids want to play and basketball is a great game. And, um, you know, I think that at our level, the game is as good as it's ever been and kids want to be a part of part of that. And um, I'm thankful to be in a state that um, girls really love the game. And we got great high school coaches in the state of Iowa that are committed to, to making the game good. And, um, so that part of it's been pretty easy, but, you know, back to the local, local thing, we, we definitely want to get local kids and, you know, that builds support for our program and puts people in the stands. And, um, you know, we were, we were fortunate uh, a couple years ago to be starting three girls from Cedar Falls. So, you know, just down the road and, you know, Greg Grone does a great job in that program. And, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, my last Cedar Falls kid will be a senior this year, and he's now sending all those kids to UNI. So <laughs> I need to get him to send a couple more our way.
1: Yeah. Tell him to stop doing such a good job. Keep those right. keep those <laughs> girls. <laughs> send them. Send them north. We yes. Use them out there. So.
0: Well, coach, um, you know, obviously the the big, I guess, looming black gray cloud whatever you want to call it around you know college athletics right now is COVID-19. Um, You know how has that affected recruiting over the summer and how do you anticipate you know the I guess the season to start or maybe not start or when it when will it start you know that type of thing run into that if you could.
2: Yeah Um it's certainly changed um, a little bit how we are finding kids. Um, you know our I had two assistants go out to an early event, uh, they went to that event and came back, and then we talked about it, and we just felt at that time that we were going to do our part in in trying to protect Wartburg and Waverly and our department, and so that's the only event we went to, and I know there's a lot of other people that are going, and there's events being played, and um, at that time, we just felt like we wanted to make sure that we're, we're protected in our people, and, and so we didn't go to any other than that one, um, which obviously is makes it a challenge, but, you know, we're in an age of technology, so there's a lot of ways to be able to see kids play and evaluate, and I think we've done a really good job of doing that, uh, even with COVID, and, um, you know, the other part of us is we typically are working a year ahead anyway, um, at least with identifying kids we don't necessarily contact them that early but we know who's on our list Um, we knew who who was on our list for this round before COVID ever started and and so I felt pretty good about uh, where we were with that going in and and um, we're making it work we're getting pretty creative with some other things we're doing and in uh, communicating with some of these kids and I think on the on the back end we're going to be better off, um, you know, as far as just some different things that we've done um, and are doing to kind of change the the way we're communicating with prospects and getting pretty creative with it. So, um, but it's, it's certainly changed it and it's challenged. Um, you know, as far as when we're going to play, <laughs> I don't know. We're hopeful. Um, as of today we're planning on starting practice in October so we'll see we'll see what happens here and you know as schools start and and what what COVID's doing here in the next few weeks but you know I think it's critical that our people do everything we can to to protect um, protect each other and uh, protect our department so we're doing a lot with um, on social distancing and masking and Um, But our new kids here move in on Saturday. So we're pretty excited to get that next group in.
1: That was going to be my next question. I say you guys got to be about to the point. Um, I know talking with Coach Seggy, they got some some golfers that are coming on campus. So campus has got to be starting to pick up a little bit. And transition is going to be happening here soon.
2: Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, we've had a lot of meetings uh, with our group before we ever got, before people ever get here about, you know, some of the precautions we need to take, and, you know, still be social, but be smart about how you're being social, and, you know, it's still college, and we want our kids to have a great experience, and, you know, part of, part of that is getting to know other people, and interaction, and, and, you know, I'm proud of Wartburg for taking some tremendous steps to, to have in-person classes, and we're hopeful that we can pull it off, and, um, you know, but we all have a part to keep each other accountable and doing things the right way. And, and I think if we do that, then we're going to be pretty successful in, in getting through this thing.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, coach, uh, we like to end our podcast with, um, a segment called rapid fire where Brian's just gonna fire questions at you. And all you really have to do is answer with the first thing that comes to mind. Sounds good.
1: All right, Coach. First one here, maybe hopefully easy for you. But uh, favorite gym or arena you've ever coached in?
2: Oh man, does it have to be one?
1: <laughs> no, it, it, we've had people answer three it, or four. Yeah, I was oh, okay. rapid fire usually turns into just good conversations. So okay, good perfect.
2: Well, um, it's hard to beat Levick Arena, uh, <laughs> you know. But that's the easy answer, and. Um, two that pop into my mind right away is we played an exhibition game in Iowa State. And, you know, to have our kids go into that environment um, was just a special, special time for them. And um, it was way different, huge arena, the bands playing. I think the crowd was um, listed at 9,000 or something. And, you know, Coach Fennelly has, certainly has to be credited with a lot of the success of women's basketball, not just in Iowa, but uh, throughout the country, and what he's done with attendance at that place. Um, that was a really special, special place to play, just, just because it's different than what Division Three is. Um, but then the other one that immediately popped to my head um, is Westminster College in Fulton, Missouri. Um, Their... Jim um, I don't I don't know the years it would have been I think it's 90 or hundred years old and um, the court is named after Henry Iba who's a legend in basketball I think he I think he played the game in the 20s um, and then coached at Oklahoma State I think he won a national title but he's like a one of the early basketball legends Um, but the other neat thing about that place was Winston Churchill gave the famous iron curtain speech in that gym Um, and and the gym hasn't changed much since it was built whenever I don't even know 90 or 100 years ago that that place is really cool Um, you walk in it and it's got the arched windows on both sides so if it's in the afternoon you got the sun shining in and you walk in that place and you think it should be like one of those old school nike commercials um but that that is a really unique place
1: did uh did you ever have a chance to see the snake pit or nice gymnasium before, uh, before i never oh, did
2: um uh, when i got to Wartburg, when i interviewed at Wartburg they were they had just torn that place down um so yeah my first year at Warburg, we practiced at denver high school or middle school and then we played our home games at at uh, the west gym at uni so i never saw that place
1: that you, you talked about the age that place was that place was something special too there's still a lot of us that uh while levick arena is on a whole nother level we, we miss old knights gymnasium oh there. yeah
2: I, i've seen pictures it looked like it was a sweet deal
1: it, it was fun. So, um, who's the who's the greatest basketball player of all time? Michael Jordan. No question, huh? I
2: can't even believe you asked that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, hey, we're in agreement, we just it, it, there's been conversation had on the pod before, so Right.
2: <laughs> well, those people don't know what they're talking about. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was easy. I think, the, I think the documentary series uh, definitely helped his case here moving forward. If, if anybody had forgotten, the last dance I think has helped him out here.
2: Yeah, and, and a lot of the other answers I don't think are even number two.
1: So. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, next one. How many times have you beat Coach Staggy in golf?
2: Every time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's a lie. That was an easy one too.
2: That's a lie. <laughs> See, back – uh, I, I don't even remember years because, you know, I'm to that point. But back when we both started playing together a lot, before he was married and before Katie had moved to town, we'd play pretty much every night. And back then I could beat him up about half the time. But um, as you know, Claude, he he used to be hothead, break clubs, throw clubs, pout. You know, everything you could see on the golf course. In fact, one time, uh, more than one time, but he threw a wedge in a tree at the Muni here in Waverly that I'm sure six years later was still in the tree because we wow. couldn't get it down. Um, but nowadays, he, he's going to beat me probably 90% of the time.
0: He he seems so level-headed when we had him on the pod here.
2: He He's way That's more nice. level-headed now. So he got married and had children. Oh, uh, yeah um i have a hard time like kind of getting to that side of him when we play golf anymore and it's really helped
1: his game yeah he was and, the, and the
2: problem is i play way more golf than him and he still beats me
1: <laughs> yeah he was definitely a little bit of a rage monster and it uh it, it impacted his game too and now that he's got a little bit more of a clear head more maturity he, he he's he's becoming a much better player he's pretty good so sticking with that theme, then what's uh, what's your favorite golf course in Iowa?
2: Oh, in Iowa, probably the Talons of Tuscany. Have You ever played that
1: place? I did. I got an opportunity to play it last year. That's Pretty special. I
2: played I played that a
1: couple times,
2: and you know it's just a unique place. It's that's a that's a lot of fun to play there.
1: Yeah, it's a it's hard to imagine or it's hard to tell yourself that I'm in I'm in this guy's backyard, basically. Right. It's, it's just, unreal. It's, Something unreal, so and and
2: I think we saw about four other people the, the day we were there, which is yeah. pretty weird too,
1: yeah, so probably eight that was probably the round total for three weeks at that yeah point. might have been it's just crazy, but yep. um all right, come up to Waverly for a game where's the best place to to get a bite to eat?,
2: uh whew. boy, I guess it depends on what you want, but um. I think the lunch uh buffet, if if you can do a lunch buffet, there's a Mexican place on the east side of town that a lot of people don't know about called El Sol. Um that's kind of my favorite to every once in a while hit that place, but you need a nap after you eat there. So
1: <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you get into any of the margaritas or anything, and then we got, <laughs> got a whole nother thing. Um so so in preparing for the pod, uh, I actually asked Coach Oakland um, about maybe something that I could uh, reach out and ask you about, and his, re- his response was, you know, Coach is pretty level headed on the road. I was usually the one that uh, was usually freaking out, and so in that, then I said, well, then that's perfect. I'll ask him, what is your best Coach Oakland story that you can share with us on the pod?
2: That I can share with you? <laughs> that That's quite the distinction. Um... Oh, man, there's so many, so many that I can't share with you, but, <laughs> um, you know, Nate's a, Nate's, Nate's a connector, man, he knows so many people, and, um, you know, his time at Wartburg, I learned a lot from him. I, I'm not really gonna be able to give you probably a story, but
1: that's all right.
2: um, we did some, we did some probably questionable things with, with uh sometimes when we got frustrated but um you know it was all in love of each other and um that's probably all i can give you very vague and and no real answer
1: (laughs) no but that's good and that definitely describes nate so uh i completely understand that but uh all right uh two more here um one is who's the next person who do you think would be good for us to to bring on the podcast and continue to promote basketball here in Iowa?
2: Um, Let's see. Well, I think there's one that's probably in your backyard that um, has been doing it longer than I have, Brian Nemeth at Simpson. You know, he's got over 600 wins and is kind of the dean of our league on the women's side. He's been in it over 30 years, uh, all at the same place. Um, he runs a system, um, that hasn't, most of it hasn't changed since I've been, uh, at Warburg, which, um, you know, I think is unique that they have, he's stayed committed at least to his defensive system, um, all that time. And it's still very, very successful. Um, you know, I think it'd be a, a really good one. He's, he's been in a lot of big games throughout his career. And, uh, like I said, when you when you win 600, um, you got to know
1: something. No, that's good. That's a lot of wins. We'll definitely have to reach out to him. And then last one, an easy one, a little bit of a loaded one, but, uh, what's the best thing about Warburg college and, and playing women's basketball at Warburg college?
2: Um, I think the people are, are what sets us apart, you know, and I, that's hard to imagine. I think when you walk into our, our place and see our facilities and, um I you know, I think that would be what a lot of people would assume is the best thing, um, just because they're so great. But you know, I think more than anything, um, it's the people. Um, I still remember when I interviewed here, um, there was no W. It was, you know, the old night's gym was a, a pile of rubble when I walked around this place and I got in my car after my interview and called my wife and I said, This is the place and she and she she grew up in Illinois, and she was like, "In Iowa, are you kidding and um she said, "Why?" and I said, the people, the people are amazing and you know I think the the Brian, you know you've been here. there's a pride here at Warburg that I think is rare and unique that most people don't experience um, and so You know, I just think people, Warbird people understand it because they've they've seen it and been through it. And um, those that don't understand it is kind of what we're trying to sell.
1: Yeah, and obviously, uh, you know, having experienced it, um, the the unique thing about that campus is that the extracurriculars, um, obviously sports or music, um, drama, whatever it is, everyone is involved in something in addition to school. And then that just creates more of a community without, um, with each other and um, with the athletes and with the student athletes and then with the community. And um, like you said, keeping those kids close, keeping them close to home. And um, now all of a sudden them and their parents and their siblings and everyone starts showing up on campus and uh, that everyone talks about it, but it really does just become one big family.
2: For sure. No question. That's awesome. Well, well, Hey coach, we, I'm, I'm a little disappointed I didn't get a, a shoe
1: question. You know what? That, I, what, what is your favorite hoop shoe?
2: So I'm going to quiz you guys.
1: <laughs> okay. I
2: graduated high school in
1: 1986. What shoe did I wear? In 86? Um, I mean, ooh, 86. Would that have been the weapons? Were you wearing the Converse weapons?
0: No. Mm. What What? What brand of shoe was it? Nike. Well, Jordan. <laughs> Didn't Jordan so, Ones come out in 85? Yeah, yeah. I'd say so. It had to be Jordan Ones.
2: Jordan Ones came out in 85. That's what I wore in my senior year of high school.
0: It's, man, you um, can't go and, wrong with
2: that. and this might sound weird, but I haven't liked a Jordan shoe since those. Really? I mean, like, I've never owned a. a Another pair of Jordan basketball shoes. Yeah. Um, those were so classic that I could, never, I could never wear anything else, probably.
0: I mean, that, that, that makes sense to me. It, it sure does. Um, but, but the other
2: kind of funny shoe thing is when I was in junior high, now I'm old, right? I wore Converse Chuck Taylor All-Stars to play basketball in, and that's what everybody wore. Um, there was one color white and they were 10 bucks and now, you know, they come in every color and they cost, I don't even know. Um, <laughs> and the shoe hasn't changed, nope. but I think it's, uh, they've done pretty well for themselves in the fashion world.
0: I honestly think about that every time I put, put my converse on that s- these were wore to play basketball in. At one yeah? Time. Can you imagine? No, I, I almost roll my ankle when I step on, uneven surfaces with those things
2: actually my my early days at McMurray um, recruiting I went to the state tournament in Illinois this would have been mid-90s and Chicago Marshall girls roll out there their whole team's wearing Chuck Taylors and talk about intimidating I mean they had better shoes back then and they rolled out in Chuck Taylors and just dominated I mean, one of the most athletic teams that I've ever seen. It was, it was pretty awesome.
1: I yeah, I don't know how you could play basketball <laughs> or really do anything active in those things, <laughs> and I just just blows my mind. But uh, uh, that's what they were designed for. So I I guess good thing for technology and uh, what the what these kids and the spoils that these kids have today. For sure.
0: And First So if, if we were to ask you then, Coach, the, your the absolute favorite pair of Jordans, it's the Jordan 1s then, huh?
2: Jordan 1, yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Absolutely. I don't yeah. think you're alone in, in saying that. Yeah. That's great. Well, uh, <clears throat> hey, Coach, we appreciate all your time. Uh, some great stories, some great content here. And, uh, you know, we're obviously be, be, be following along whenever the season gets going, hopefully on time keeping our fingers crossed everybody in the Warper family stays safe and everybody can be, uh, um, like I said, on time and get things, get, get things going when they're supposed to in October.
2: Sounds great. I really appreciate you guys and what you're doing. And, um, you know, our level of basketball is way underrated and, you know, I've seen, uh, really our program, um, transition a lot of people that really knew nothing about the game and you know our success has at least given people in our area some exposure to what great basketball is and so I appreciate your guys effort to to help us do that as well.
0: Man well we we appreciate that and honestly we couldn't have said it uh you know we couldn't have said it better ourselves that's what we try to do is just, just you know promote the game of basketball specifically here in Iowa but you know as specifically the you know the, the smaller schools or the the smaller levels of basketball that that don't get the um, the the media or the publicity so yeah we we definitely appreciate that coach and and to all of our listeners we really appreciate you as well we'd appreciate a five star rating if you like what you hear and also tell a friend about us we would love to have more listeners to get more feedback as well you can find us on social media Search the Shooter's Touch on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at Shooter's Touch IA. Until next time, shooters, shooters, shoot.